Every business comes to life through its service experience. Your business success depends on whether your customers are loyal to you. That's where real value and profit is created. Great companies ubiquitously have great customer experiences. A thin red line divides those that invest and consistently deliver what their customers need and those that fail and get disrupted. In competitive and challenging times, leaders need to double down on their customer experience. Learn and grow the value you create. Grow your success. Be on the right side of that thin red line. This is the CX Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and customer experience guru, public speaker, and author. Your business success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to the Customer Experience Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have a great guest with us, Grant Packard. He is a, an associate professor at York University's Schulich, Schulich School of Business, uh, has done some phenomenal work in terms of research on language, the power of language, uh, conversations, an incredibly important topic when it comes to uh, customer experience. Uh, his work has been featured in many uh, media sources, uh, in academic sources such as MIT, uh, and he has an interesting managerial background that includes various, various leadership roles uh, around retail, e-commerce, uh, online media, uh, advertising, and, and online marketing for consumer products. But what really struck me from his current work as a research he's he's doing around the power of language. So, Grant, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you with me today. Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here. Excellent. So, first, I, I'd love for you to to tell me about how you got into this research, the power of language, and, and really this sense that what we say really matters in conversations with consumers. Yeah, well, I, I started out kind of in industry, as you said, in, in online marketing and e-commerce, that kind of thing. And a big part of my job was figuring out online reviews and how customers mm -hmm. were talking about products. And hmm. that really kind of translated into a fascination with language. So when I was in organizations doing this, it was like, okay, how do we use language as data? Um, and that kind of, I, I helped the companies I was working with figure that out and realized, hey, I can make a, a career of this. This is so interesting <laughs> to me. So I Absolutely. switched over to academia and, and really got into into the psychology of language and, and language is data. Interesting. So can you share maybe some of your uh, examples of some of your research around it? Because there's one you tried on me and, and it worked like magic uh, around pauses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So the pause example, which is that's research in progress with uh, a colleague at Wharton and at Rutgers University. Um, is essentially pauses are generally generally thought of as something that shows that you're you're kind of cognitively mm -hmm. not all there, right? You're taking a moment to think <laughs> about something and you don't necessarily know what to say next. But what right. we kind of posited and found was that that people um, actually what happens is they want to fill the dead space that's left by a pause. Mm -hmm. So if you have somebody and, and we looked at, at customer service dating this example, uh, transcripts of, of service calls. When a, a service person paused, the customer tended to say, yeah, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> um, and if the agent didn't do that, if they just kept speaking, the customer didn't have the chance to do that. And what we right. found was was that the more the customer said, okay, uh-huh, yeah, which you can imagine is effectively agreeing, right. um, the more satisfied they were, right? Because it gave them the chance to agree with the person, the, the service person. 
And so we've since then done some lab studies and that kind of thing and kind of confirm that, that that pauses can have this positive effect of encouraging the person you're speaking to to kind of fill in the blanks by agreeing with you. So I could imagine all kinds of contexts from car sales to, right. you know, to CEO speeches. If you wanted to get people to agree with you, pause, right? And they'll, they'll, they'll do that. But I've examined all kinds of contexts from, from mm -hmm. things like that. And customer service is one of my main spaces now to, to word of mouth, like I mentioned, both online and just the conversations people have every day. To, uh, to cultural products. I'm interested in the language that, that comes with products, whether that's you know things like books and movies and music that actually have language as part of the product that, that right. you buy or that you listen to, to, um, to packaging, um, you know, how hmm. companies communicate with language on packaging. Very interesting. So, so your, your, your analogy around pauses makes a lot of sense when you reflect on it, uh, but I've, I've seldom heard anybody advocated for it, but it, it makes sense, especially even if you're trying to get somebody to agree, uh, I would assume that that gets them in a more predisposed mood to agree. Yeah. And, and we're interested, we're exploring right now, whether it could happen even quietly, right? Because we have an inner conversation. You may not even need to say, yeah, or uh -huh, or okay out loud. It could be that just in your mind, you have a moment to stop to think and agree. Right. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So share some other examples uh, of tips for conversations that will help improve customer experience from your research. Sure. So in the customer experience context, I think it's a really exciting kind of place right now. Um, because of everything from chatbots and, and AI, which we've had the last few years, where we're now asking machines to talk um, right. to, to customers, to the, the fact that we're in an increasingly kind of online world where, where there's, there are less opportunities for human touch, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then now take the pandemic, <laughs> where, <laughs> where we're putting these walls up, right, and masks on, and all right. these kind of nonverbal and, and personal signals that you, you want to get from the, the customer experience are gone or, or really encumbered. So the actual words we use in all these cases get really important. Um, my first kind of project in, in this space was about personal pronouns. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't know. I, I sometimes feel like I have to give a grammar lesson because a lot of us <laughs> just forget <laughs> what all these word groups mean. But right. these are things like like I and me and we and and you and she and he. Um, and what we kind of realized, and you've probably had the, the experience yourself. I got it from on on hold recording when I was calling a bank, mm -hmm. and and it was you know. We thank you for your patience, um, your, you know, your patience appreciated. Your call is important to us. And what right. I heard was a lot of um, when, they, when the company recording was speaking, it was as a plural. It was as an entity, right? Mm -hmm. we, are, you know, we really value your business. Your call is important to us. Sure. And I was kind of like, well, that's interesting. Do I want to relate to when it's, when it's a voice talking to me, uh, an entity like a company a brand, or do I want to relate to an individual, right? Because mm -hmm. an individual is I, an individual right. is, is my, it's not us or we. And so that in that project, we, we looked principally at, at first person pronouns. How does the, the person, or, or it can be a recording or even a machine that's trying to, to, to give the customer a, a positive experience, how do they refer to themselves? And, and what we found was that companies we sampled over 40 companies out of the top, um, the top 100 American retailers. Okay. And what we, what we found was that we pronouns were present. We, what we basically did was we sent them bogus emails <laughs> to their call center or their service center. And we, right. and then we had them respond 
and we analyzed the language. And a hundred percent of them used we pronouns. Okay. Um, and those pronouns were were over half of the pronouns that they used. Only less than half of them used I pronouns at all. And if they did use them, they were less than one percent of the the, really? the words that they used. So it was really remarkable. And so this was, you know, whether it's a, a manager that's writing scripts or it's an individual person that's answering these emails, they've decided to to respond in the plural for whatever reason. Interesting. And, and, and so we we next asked, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because because our thinking was was I don't know if I want an entity, you know, this kind of right. this big group of people responding. Maybe I want a person. And we literally took out of those 40 emails, we took six of them and we just changed the we's to eyes. Okay. <laughs> and we and we asked people in a, an online study to, you know, rate their satisfaction on those responses versus the same response where we had just you know, switch the pronoun. Sure. So it was the same email, just eyes versus wheeze. And we got a remarkable difference in how satisfied they were with the response. Um, so we're like, Hey, there's something here. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we got some field data from, from a company over a thousand calls and we kind of analyzed that data and we could link how much different agents or about 40 agents in that or no 50 agents in that company. Um, and over a thousand calls, the more they used I pronouns, the better the satisfaction rating at the end of the call. And not only that, the, the, the craziest thing, right. the actual, the purchase behavior in the 90 days after the call was higher than those that used fewer I pronouns. And it was actually to the extent where we, we found if you shifted half of the we, half of mm -hmm. them referring to themselves as, you know, oh, we can do that for you, or, or you know, our policy is we can't do that. Right. If we shift half of those to I's, it was an over 6% increase in purchases for that company. And, and so we don't, we, we like to be conservative and I don't think that could happen for everyone. I don't want sure. to suggest by switching your pronouns, you're going to see such <laughs> an amazing increase in sales, but it was pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. It, it, and then, sorry, it, no, I, I just, it's, it's really interesting. Cause when, when, um, when I started out in the airline industry, um, we were always trained to, if something went wrong, never to apologize on the behalf of, an entity, but it was always like, if I were in your shoes, I completely understand. It was always a, a this I component and it was more personal. And you're right. It did diffuse. I do remember a lot of conversations where just making it more personal, people were less aggressive versus you're more likely to get angry against a big company. Yeah. It, and you're absolutely right. In, in our, in other data, I, I've looked at two sets of airline data. One of them did exactly what you're saying. And mm -hmm. they're known as one of the best customer experience airlines. Sure. And one of them didn't. Um, I, I had two kind of technology companies, one that's right. really known for great customer experience and one that's not. And the, the great one <laughs> trained for clearly trained first person pro, singular pronouns. Interesting. Right? So, so some organizations know this already, you know, whether it's intuitively or not. Mm -hmm. Or there's another organization, an online retailer that's that's well known for customer service. Their policy, which they almost take too far, is you're an agent of the customer. You're not an agent mm. of, of our company. And you're there to, whether that means being their friend, whether that means being a shoulder to cry on, talking about the weather, talking about a football <laughs> game, you're there, you're there to, to make things work for them. In a subsequent research project, we found out they, they take it too far. Sure. And they could actually, they, a company like that could improve their business um, if they, they do some of that but they restrict when they do it. It makes sense because it, it, it becomes too too much. Not everybody wants to have a conversation about the weather or the 
last night's sports game or anything of that nature. <laughs> exactly. But but I love the the comments about that you've just made the research you've done around uh, talking in in the singular. I think it makes intuitive sense, but unfortunately, as you said, almost everybody does it the other way around. Yeah. And we, and we, as a, like the psychology component, we want to know why this works as well. So in, in several experiments, we measure different potential explanations. And what we find, we, we find it does is it signals empathy and it signals agency. So it signals that this, mm -hmm. this person's actually working and feeling for me, right? So it's nice that it does both those things, which is again, kind of, kind of that balance of, of being both kind of soft and, and warm and helpful um, versus being agentic and really getting the job done. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Can you share some other examples? This is this one's fascinating and incredibly easy to shift uh, and sure. even to train people to, to change how they speak to, to customers. Yeah. So just on that example, the, the challenge of training people and, and, you know, kind of easy to shift the eyes and weeds. We actually had one organization that said it was hard to do. They, they ran an experiment where they did this and they found after about five or six weeks, employees stopped using the right pronouns. And so they were actually really? listening to calls and reading emails. And then and we tried it again and said, try this this message of you're an individual agent for the customer. So rather than making it about what pronouns you use, because we don't think about what pronouns we use, it just kind of happens naturally. Um, think about you're not representing, um, you know, your example Zappos or Apple, sure. you're representing the customer. Talk to them as a, as an individual, right? And that helps shift the pronouns without training them to use different pronouns, if you know what I mean. Yeah, interesting. Um, the second project, and I, I kind of—it's nice to go to because we were just talking about that—that that example that tends to be really warm and engaging—is mm -hmm. that um, most research had, had previous to that in customer service had said, really, if you know, you can only be one thing, you can only be warm, or you can be competent, because trying to do both tends to cancel out the other. You know, if you're <laughs> too warm, you're seen as incompetent, and if you're too competent, you're seen as kind of cold, <laughs> right? Right. And and so. The, a company like Zappos might say, okay, we're going to be warm. That's what we're all about. A, an airline or, or a financial service institution, a bank might say, we're competent. That's what we're all about. You know, mm -hmm. IBM versus Apple, a competent versus a warm. And so we wanted to explore, is it, is it true that you can only be one? And, the, and it's really mm -hmm. challenging to, to demonstrate that because conversations, you know, at, a, at an airline counter, at a bank, they're really hard to observe and they're really dynamic. Sure. Right? right. And so so we used a, a pretty kind of sophisticated dynamic modeling kind of process to analyze calls as a, as a time series, as this kind of dynamic back and forth of language over time. And mm -hmm. what we were able to to kind of show was you can be both. And it's actually much better to be, if you can achieve both. And it's 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 essentially this goal of bookending a conversation with warmth and shifting to confidence in, in the middle. So we found kind of the first 15 to 20% of a conversation and the last five to 10% of a conversation should be all about warmth, okay. which means you, sh you shouldn't rush too quickly to, to solving a problem. If you're at the airline counter, make sure you spend even a, just a small moment to kind of engage personally, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> even though you've got the line of 50 people behind, you know, <laughs> behind this customer right. and then shift quickly to competence, which is something that the warm organizations like the apples and the Zappos tend not to do. 
right? Because they they're mm-hmm. trained so much to to be to be friendly and 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 that kind of thing. They there there are many customers that that have a problem to solve, right? Sure. They <laughs> um, have some opportunity. They they want to buy something new, and you you have to shift to that competent. Uh, we call it cognitive language, which is basically the difference is emotion words. You know, at the start mm-hmm. of the call, you want to say like, "Great to hear you found this," or "Oh no, that's awful," or "I'm happy to hear that." <laughs> You know, you, and then you want to shift to action verbs. You know, this is what we're going to do. I'm trying to locate your order. Let's right. see if I can figure this out. Right? It, it's a, it's those verbs that say we're doing stuff um, mm. that become really important. So to to me, that's kind of a nice extension of, you know, it's it's not just about being you know personal. You have to balance this warmth and competence, and you can do that by bookending by thinking of it as you know, let's spend a moment to engage personally at start and end, but let's be all about the business in the middle. Interesting. That would be very hard, I would think, to engineer to conversations because it, it plays into culture of the organization as well, how people re- were trained. It's, it's very true. Um, so it's it's the kind of thing you probably need to experiment <laughs> with or just remind, I think even just reminding your, your frontline kind of experienced people that you, different people have different needs. Mm-hmm. And while we're an organization that's it's about warmth, we, we all, you know, some people are busy. Right. And right. have to solve problems. And and even those that like to engage and talk about the, the baseball game, the football game, they've <laughs> called us for a reason that's probably not the football or baseball game. Right. And so right. when we're when we're solving that, let's let's shift gear. Let's try to shift gears and be a real solver in, in those moments. That's phenomenal the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal insights. And I, I think you're, you're correct, because in some groups, the way I explained it uh, was without knowing the research you've done, but it's really around how do you make it easy to solve that person's problem, right? And, and right. starting to measure it to be able to, it becomes a solutioning part and, yeah. and explaining yeah. what that looks like. But you're right, the, the use of the language to match it is makes it that much more powerful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then um, a, a third example, very recent, hasn't been published yet, um, looked at what we call linguistic concreteness. And mm-hmm. this, I think, is the challenge of being a, a, somebody dealing with customers every day, that it, it can become really routine, right? Like sure. you, you've got those lines you say when, you know, you're walking around in, in, <laughs> in Banana Republic or, or um, J. Crew, and, and you say, Did, have you found everything you're looking for today, right? right. Or you say, um, you, know, you know, is there anything I can help you with? And they've just become these routine lines. And the challenge is, is that that, likely customers <laughs> recognize that you're just going through the motions, right? This is right. just the routine that we have in these encounters. And what we kind of thought and suggested was that, well, could there be really simple ways to signal that you're actually engaged with what the customer is looking for? So hmm. if they're, you know, if they're in the jeans section of Banana Republic, don't ask right. them if they're finding everything they're looking for. <laughs> ask, you know, is that, is that the style of jeans you're looking for? Are you looking right. for a wider leg, right? Mm. Um, if if you're at the, I mean, if you're at the doctor um, or at the hospital, if the, the you know, somebody <laughs> comes by and checks your, your chart and says, yep, everything here is looking just fine. That signals, yeah, they're just going through the motions, right? I'm right. one of a hundred bed visits. If yep. they say, oh, looks like the cryoblations is really getting at that bad tissue in here, right? It shows that they're attending to the specific mm-hmm. kind of things that the, the patient or the customer or the client need. And so concrete words are things that are like tangible, specific. 
Um, so saying something like, um, you know, that looks great isn't as good as, as saying that top looks great and isn't as good as saying that blouse looks great. Um, if a customer at a restaurant, you know, orders the fish special saying, <laughs> saying that the tuna, you know, the grilled tuna is more specific and tangible and vivid than saying the special. Hmm. So it, it's, and so we, again, we looked at field data from two different, um, a fashion retailer and a, a hard goods retailer. And looked at there. One was email service, and one was um, live service interactions that we recorded, and and found again that using these more specific words um, to describe things signaled to the customer that you were paying attention to them because you right. recognized the specific things that were either happening to them or that they were interested in, which is I, I think is kind of intuitive as well, but maybe something we don't think about right when we get into the routine of service. Very intuitive, correct, but it's not something that we necessarily ponder on a number of interactions I've had that seem robotic. Uh, and mm. I, I would even venture to say that in, in today's context where there's more and more happening digitally, people are craving mm. solid human-to-human -human interactions. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of funny. It's We, we think of personalization as using the customer's name. Or, or something like that. But it really the entire situation, the entire context is is personal. And if we can bring things in the environment that show that the mental state of the person that you're interacting with is is here, right? They're present. <laughs> They're attending to the situation. Uh, people always say actions speak louder than words. But I think sure. words, words communicate actions, right? Words right. are really important to signal our mindset, like what our, our cognitive focus, like what we're paying attention to. And so their actions as well. Phenomenal ideas. And, and, and your website has a ton of other great insights. You've been quoted MIT, Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal, Globe and Mail, the list goes on. Uh, and your website, grantpacker.com. Uh, if anybody's interested in, in seeing more, reading more, there's some phenomenal uh, series of white papers and all the research published articles that you've done, but very actionable insights that can easily be implemented in some cases, maybe a little bit more challenging, but I, I, to me, that's the fascinating part is you can really tweak the interaction with, with little changes in words, types of conversations that maybe are not overnight successes, but are, are easier than a lot of other things that organizations are trying to do. <laughs> I agree. I absolutely agree. And how do you, how do you make this come to life? Cause you, you, you've talked about it from sometimes it's harder. Um, I, I loved your example about making people feel that they have a role to, to play more that almost like a chief customer officer in the interaction. Um, how do you bring this to life in chat conversations or in real life conversations to make it stick? I often, when I go into organizations, I, 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 I do kind of brief presentations to the, the leadership team or sometimes mm -hmm. the whole kind of customer experience team. And it's really about um, helping them. I, I'm off, I often put language on the screen because people can see it when it's pre presented to them sure. in writing better than, than, than saying it. They can stop and pause for a moment and say, if I said this to a customer, um, what would that mean to me? So, so I often find presenting these ideas visually is mm -hmm. quite important and then and then trying to transcend as i alluded to before to transcend this as language and say okay language is one of these really special things about about being human and we forget right. how how 
complex and how profound language is in, in allowing us to succeed socially. <laughs> and so I say, okay, what does this mean socially, right? Like, what does this mean to other people to say it this way? And how, how else could we say it? Just stop for a mo moment and say, okay, what does it mean when I change, uh, would you like anything else to, would you like a coffee? Like, like that's the sure. most mon mundane change in the world and stop. <laughs> and let's spend like, let's spend five minutes saying, what's the difference there, right? To, to see the example of, okay, this person came in um, to a Starbucks or whatever, um, and they probably, I can guess what they want, even if I don't have a cue, <laughs> right. right? And so rather than saying, can I help you with anything? Maybe I can offer them something that I can probably be pretty sure that they're here for. And if right. they're not, they're probably going to forgive me, for, right? For guessing what they're interested in, but they're showing that they, they care about what I'm interested in. And, and the same thing with, with personal pronouns, right? You, right? you put up that, that kind of note and say, you know, our manager is the one who handles returns. You'll have to talk to her sure. and then, and then talk about what that means. And, and they might completely miss the pronoun that's there and then show on the next slide my manager handles the returns, mm. um, I'll go get, I'll go get her. Right. And what does that change? And there's suddenly this, the eyes open and they say, you know what? Mm. I never would have thought of that being a, a real thing. And then right. stop and say, okay, what does that mean? And, and often em employees and the team will get it. You know, I don't, I don't have to kind of explain it. It's, it's, I'm, <laughs> it's my manager, right? It's somebody that I'm, I'm working with as a person. It's not, you know, um, Banana Republic's manager, it's my manager. And even that right. shows that they're personally there for you. And so that to me is it's, it's to help employees kind of see it, which I often find mm. it takes it on the screen rather than having a conversation to see, you have to see the words to kind of to get it. Um, and that, that it, it becomes quite intuitive if you kind of take the time to talk through it. Yeah, it, it is. And, and like the, 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 the striking comment that I get it when I, when I hear that is one feels human. The way I would talk to somebody yeah. I know, a friend, the other one feels robotic, removing yourself, absolving yourself from accountability, from ownership of what's actually happening in front of you. Yeah. And when we, we've talked to employees and we've done surveys as, as well mm -hmm. with some organizations and the employee says, well, I, I'm paid to represent the company. So like I should be saying <laughs> we, shouldn't I? It's not so much usually that they're absolving responsibility, right? right. Where they, they're kind of blaming the companies by saying it's, it's their policy, it's our policy, it's not what I'm doing. Right. Um, but what it really is, is they feel like they're supposed to represent the company, not the customer. And I think that's the biggest challenge is finding that balance to say, sure, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're not here to rob the organization. But you're mm -hmm. the you're the you're the interface, right? right. You're the the psych <laughs> you're often the <laughs> psychologist with the customer on the couch or vice versa, exactly. trying to kind of really understand each other and build this relationship, whether that's a, a one time call or an ongoing kind of service relationship at a at a you know, an auto service shop or whatever. And that as that person, you have to be a person. You can't be a, a representative. You have to be a, an individual agent, an actor. Right. Which, which makes sense. And I, I can completely play this out even in the airline scenario. The worst I heard was a captain once saying, the company can't get the equipment to fix the plane versus somebody saying, I chose to not operate the flight because these are the circumstances. Very different experience. 
Yeah. And you see that even on a, on earnings calls, a pilot of a plane is much to me like the CEO, you know, right. on an earnings call where if something's going well, it's first person singular. And if something's going bad this quarter, it's first person plural. Right. right? Um, but, but the CEO that takes responsibility that says, you know, our plane didn't fly well this quarter. Yes. Like, and said, I, here's what I'm going to do about it is taking responsibility, right. In a exactly. way that, that the, the second person doesn't. Yeah. Love it. Uh, phenomenal insights. Great stories. Very tangible. Very real. Great. Thanks so much, Eric. It's a real pleasure to, to speak with you, and it's really exciting what you're doing. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the CX Guru on C-Suite Radio. Increase the value you create. Grow your brand. Drive your success. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Come back in two weeks for the next episode. Or listen to our sister show, The Ops Guru, with Eric McCroskey. Fuel your future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.